0: You're listening to Kayama Community Radio. Hi, I'm Karen Lang. John Pierce went to the UK in February on a mercy mission for six weeks and didn't get back till November. I spoke to John and his wife Cheryl about their 2020 year of lockdown over a pretty poor quality Zoom connection. Stay tuned till the end for another episode of Cryptic Kiama Clues, with Fred Hollis. Kiama Community Radio. For the community, by the community.
1: Okay, I'm talking to Cheryl and John Pierce, who had a very long separation due to COVID. Uh, Cheryl and John, do you want to tell me a bit about how this happened?
2: Well... I ended up in the UK because our son and daughter-in-law had an unexpected clash of rosters. They both worked for the National Health Service. One was expecting to move to a position where she would have been able to manage the school children's schedules. And then at the last moment, the National Health Service decided that she couldn't take up her new position. So both of them were working in distant positions, no one available to look after the children. Notice was far too short to arrange any other sort of commercial support. So we got a call from Adrian who said, can you help? And so we said, right, well, for a limited period of time only. And we agreed that it would be just until our daughter-in-law, Siobhan, until she was able to take up her new position. Cheryl doesn't really like the long flights and she's busy with CWA and all sorts of other community stuff. So we decided that I would just go for six weeks. So so
1: when did you leave, John?
2: Mid-February.
1: And you travelled how many kilometres to be a temporary
2: uh, (laughs) babysitter, I guess? How many kilometres? Well, whatever it is to the UK Manchester and back. So I was due to leave on the 29th of March and of course the airlines shut everything down on the 25th of March. So you
1: didn't get home until November?
2: Well, that's right. The airport didn't open in Dubai till the end of June. I had a booking then for mid-July, and that was cancelled. I had another one then for early August, and that was cancelled. Another one for late August, and that was cancelled. And then another one for September, that was cancelled. That was when, after that cancellation, it was getting desperate because I couldn't get another rebooking then in 2020. It was end of January 2021 before they would give me a new booking. And there was obviously no guarantee I was going to get on that either. So that's when I jumped in and said, well, I'll find something else. And maybe I won't go through the Middle East. Maybe I'll go the other way around. And I found what looked like a perfectly respectable fare. It was an advertised ticket on Air Canada through Vancouver. It cost me a fair bit, but it wasn't a business class fare.
1: Tell me, um, Cheryl... How did you cope
3: all that time on your own? I coped because I was at home. At least I was in home territory. Um, But what I watched was the gradual crumbling of the house. Whenever John goes away, it's quite legendary. So we had, well, the popping light bulbs were one part of the story. So there'd be pop and another light bulb would go. And I said to him, you know, you better get home sooner. I'll be doing it by (laughs) torchlight. And there wasn't any question of me doing it because I'm short and I fall off ladder so that was going on but it was just a litany of you know hinges going on cupboard doors things falling off and things you know not working we had power cuts we had water cuts we had every kind of drama and I thought it was most unfair that I got left with this but never mind we we managed
1: so Cheryl you still managed to get out and about and involved in
3: in all your community activities I did because I was very careful about where I went. All at my usual gatherings and events and meetings, they were mostly cancelled. So anything that I got to were usually one-on-one, you know, lunch with a friend, but only at selected places. It was mainly about coping with the COVID restrictions. My gymnasium was allowed to continue under very strict conditions. Mm -hmm. And that morale-wise probably saved me because Mm -hmm. I could go three times a week and at least keep a little bit of fitness going.
1: So, John, how did you go with your living quarters so far away from home? How did you cope?
2: Well, of course, I mean, I knew the family well. I mean, obviously, my son and daughter-in-law, and I knew the grandchildren quite well from being there last year. And I knew the house and the kitchen and and every aspect of the garden. So, I mean, I just slotted back in. Well, I did my six weeks, as expected. And then thereafter, I just kept on doing what I was doing. I had to fill my time a little. So I painted the laundry and I... (laughs) downstairs bathroom and (laughs) I re-landscaped a garden and we built a fence around the front. I mean we just kept busy. (laughs) Adrian's house still had a fair bit that needed doing when they moved in and Adrian said well he would finish it off except of course he never had any time to finish it off so um, I sort of Was finishing the house off
3: as well. (laughs) So two NHS doctors don't allow a lot of time for property maintenance. So grandpa looking after the children was also very useful.
4: Some
0: track was called Mother by local band The Vans. I'm Karen Lang and I'm talking to Cheryl and John Pierce after John has just arrived from nine months stranded in the UK. John comes from Devon in England and
3: they had a little bit of relief around was it Springbank holiday and they were permitted to travel distance so he was able to drive to Devon and be with his um, extended family for a a week or so. I took the children down. And then you went again, didn't you? And I went down on my own. Yeah, not for very long but long enough to have a lovely time.
2: Oh, it was a good break. But apart from that, I hardly went out of the house. I said it was really strange when I came back. Because I hadn't spent any money, basically, for nine months. Going to the uh, supermarket was risky. Anywhere was risky. So I scarcely left the household for nine months. I mean, yes, I would take a 10-minute walk up with the children to school in masks, the same sometimes in the evening. But that was the extent that I left the property. The big difference between here and the UK is that the UK was a huge threat right through from March all the way through now to just before I left. Yes, it's calmed down a little bit in July and August, but then the second wave got going again in early September, particularly in October. And of course, then it moved to tier three the day after I left. It was a scary place to be, particularly if you were in any way compromised. So if, you know, part of the older population or had any other medical situation, it was not a good place to be, I can tell you.
1: So, John, did you hear reports of how the medical system and the health services
2: were coping? It is scary when you hear that a 1,000 people a day are dying and 40,000 people a day are contracting it, as it was back in March and April into May. The day before I left, there were like about 35 people died and and there were 20,000 new cases. And since then, it's got even worse. I think it's hard for people here in Australia to realise just how bad it could be. Yes, the second wave in Victoria, I think, was a wake-up call and gave Australians an idea just how quickly things could change and how rapidly the infection could spread. But the population is quite small and limited here. And, and, and even with Melbourne, I mean, the Premier clamped down on mobility in Melbourne and, and within, what was it, six weeks, two months of a very tight tight down, you know, Victoria's basically back under control. But there's no hope of doing that in the UK unless they go into an absolute lockdown, as they did back in May and June. And that was an economic disaster, as well as not necessarily being particularly effective. The, the school's all closed. You say, well, how else did I pass my time? Well, through March and April and May, there was no school. So we did homeschool. And we did intensive homeschool with the two children. Typically, if my son wasn't working in the morning, he would run homeschool. If he was working, then I would run homeschool. But usually I did afternoons. And we tried to keep the children as close as possible to a reasonable curriculum. We made sure that they were in their school uniform every day. So it felt like school and they had to get on and do their work. I can't say that was easy. And I'm not a trained school teacher. So it wasn't easy. It
1: must have been very hard. Just as a
2: final one on Howard Springs, I was very grateful to the Prime Minister and uh, DFAT for putting the repatriation flights on. Uh, I'd been registered with DFAT for quite some time. And after the Canadian flight had uh, been cancelled, I contacted them again and sort of said, help, please, I need to get home. It sort of synchronized very well with the Prime Minister's announcement. And so within a couple of days after that, I got a call from DFAT to say, would I like to get on that first flight? which um, I said I certainly would, and was very, very grateful to arrive at Howard Springs. The experience there was quite reasonable, I think. We were well looked after, medically well screened. Uh, The security was tight, but that was probably necessary. But it was nice to be able to breathe fresh air and not be confined to a hotel room, even though we were confined to our own units with its own little balcony. We, We were quite well looked after. Two weeks went quite quickly. And I was very, very glad to be home.
1: Yes. Well, welcome home. I'm very glad to know that you're back, covid free, and you've survived that ordeal. And thank you very Kat. much. Thank you,
4: <laughs>
0: That's Cloud Surfing, by Willem, courtesy of Matt from KHM Studios, who are a sponsor of Kiama Community Radio.
5: Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Cryptic Kiama Clues. Fred Hollis again for the quiz show where we ask three questions about the Kiama local government area, its history, geography and people of interest. The questions and correct answers for the last quiz are as follows. Question 1. What does the acronym HARS stand for? H-A-R-S. Well, it stands for Historical Aircraft Restoration Society. It's a museum at Albion Park Airport. It's got a huge hangar with lots and lots of aircraft. I absolutely love going there. Great if you're into aircraft. There's a 747, of course. There's Neptunes, Mirages, Constellation... A Catalina, it's a great place to have a look at. Question 2 What were the main types of trees cut down in the Kiama region in the early 1800s? Well, the answer is red cedar. Red cedar was by far the most valuable of the timbers in the brushlands of the coastal districts of New South Wales. The cedars were magnificent trees, frequently four or five feet or more in diameter. They towered over the other trees and usually were entangled in vines that had to be cut away before the trees could be felled. Question 3. Where is the highest zip line in Australia? Well, that's the Illawarra Fly zipline. The Illawarra Fly zipline tour is an eco-wilderness adventure that takes place in the Illawarra rainforest. The tour involves flying on a series of elevated cable spans and navigating suspension bridges from one tree platform to another, and some of these are 35 metres above the forest floor. Definitely for the adventurous person. And the winner of the 8th quiz is Mark Greaves of Kiama. Mark will receive a beautifully crafted winner's certificate which is definitely suitable for framing. So congratulations again to Mark Greaves. So on to the next 3 questions. Question 1. What big number is associated with East Beach? Question two, which is a multiple choice question. The Kiama Epicenter Association is interested in A, improving traffic movement in the Kiama CBD, or B, redeveloping the Bombo Quarry, or C, promoting fine food and drink options in the Kiama area. Question three. Where the sea makes a noise refers to the biggest what in the world. If you know the answers, you should email kcradiocontent at gmail.com. I'll repeat that. kcradiocontent at gmail.com. You can also see the clues in our weekly newsletter. The first, neatest, correct entry that answers all three questions will be announced in the next podcast. Remember to leave your name and suburb so we can give you a shout-out and send you a certificate recording your achievement. And as usual, no correspondence will be entered into. So your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to answer those three questions. See you next time. And remember, as Franklin Roosevelt said, there are many ways of going forward, but only one way of standing still.
3: Hello, I'm Candy Anderson from Kiama Community Radio. Join me every Friday for What's On in the Kiama LGA for the following week. Our purpose is to keep you updated with events and activities that will get you out and about and connecting with people and places in our fabulous area. If you have an event that you would like to tell the community about, email us on kcradiocontent at gmail.com. I look forward to having you tune in soon and perhaps making our weekly What's On your regular go-to place for keeping in touch with people, places and happenings in the Kiama LGA.
4: You've been listening
1: to Kiama Community Radio.